0: And a DLF family, a podcast, that's Meat Loaf, Wildcat, Brian Hall.
1: Hey Jens the Gen C. Now you can have Iron City in the morning and not get dirty looks. Because now Iron City's a coffee. I'll didn't. i I'll be honest, I didn't actually know what
0: the beer is either. But. Iron City beer! <laughs> yeah, I didn't. There you go. Duh. Nice. That's the analyst of analytics, Jordan
2: McNamara. Yeah, I'm just uh I'm becoming an expert on quarantine hair. So I'm I'm here for the quarantine hair discussion because uh I'm pretty sure that I can use my daughter's uh uh, you know, hair rubber bands and all that fun stuff in my hair at this point, so that's what we Nice. Yeah, that's the goal.
0: I, I couldn't make it to that point. I I've had two haircuts uh in the last like in the last uh, three months. So I, I, I just couldn't handle it when it got that long. Uh, but yeah, there, there's always a silver lining behind every dark cloud. And it's me, it's me, it's that old SFD Superflex dude. And this is the Superflex Super Show. And that's right, we've got Jordan back at McNamara Dynasty talking about the analytics of dynasty 2.0 the 2020 edition which this time by the way has a chapter on superflex make sure you pick up that copy and then go ahead and go back and get the 2019 version as well because still some very useful stuff in there but uh jordan we you and i had such a great conversation both on and off there uh last time you were here um it 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 just, we, we just had to cement your status here as an official member of the super team by bringing you back. So by the way, that's the, that's the requirement. Once you make it onto the super show twice, you're an official member of the super team. Can we get
2: jackets? Like, is this like a can we get like a members jacket?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there. It's. I think it's uh, probably like one of those like tuxedo T shirts or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's still it's very official. Um and, and gold gold plated. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah we we were also joking off there. Uh, it feels like it's been. Forever since we talked, <laughs> just because so much happened in that what three, four months, whatever it's been since uh since the last time you and I got to talk.
2: Yeah, I think we it, talked in January, and it was. Uh, I mean, it seems <laughs> like a decade ago um, at yeah. this point, but yeah, I think it. I think it was in January. So uh, it's, but it's been, yeah, it's good to be back. I'm just, I, I'm, you know, these are always a good escape from all the. A lot of the wildness that's going on in the world. So it's good to talk to you guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like since then, I mean, Australia burned down, um, (laughs) that, and that was, you know, not even close to the worst thing that happened. Um, you haven't had a haircut like it's, uh, which probably makes it feel like it, it, an even longer period of time. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah yeah but i i so the I also have to tell you though that like it it feels a little bit like a, a kind of a long time for me because so much came out of that conversation for me that I spent so much time processing and um you know so much of so much of what we talked about has either gone into my personal superflex strategy. I mean, I told you then like you you for me, you were already on the Mount Rushmore of, of fantasy analysts. Um, you know, my personal (laughs) Mount Rushmore, but, you know, since then, um, you know, we had that conversation and so much of what you talked about and so much, what you talk about in the book has gone into my strategy. And then not only that, we talked about some stuff off air, you know, we, we talked about business ownership and applying that to, you know, to, uh, uh, to to dynasty strategy and since then like i you know i've thought a lot more about what is it exactly that um you know that that i did i take and apply and i i just i just feel like my personal strategy has just been augmented so much um just from looking back on that conversation. So, so bringing you back on is just, first of all, you know, just a, a, a real treat. Um, and second of all, I expect that, uh, my powers are only going to grow further.
2: Well, John, I gotta, I gotta (laughs) say, I appreciate that, but there's nothing that you and I can do to ever replicate the unrecorded version of what we talked about the first time seriously, because that was like if we could have bottled that up like w- we can try we can trace that <laughs> chase that dragon but that was that was good stuff and unfortunately it's lost to you know oh, yeah. well the good thing is it's lost to just our own strategies but that conversation yeah. was awesome and uh <laughs> yeah I, I hope we can we can try and get it close to that uh here tonight
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and I mean, bringing in Brian Haar only helps. That's it's he he's my, I told him today, he's, he's my good luck charm when it comes <laughs> to podcasting. Um, so, uh, yeah, having the, the meatloaf wildcat on board is, uh, is only going to help as well. So. so,
1: so let me give you a couple meatloaf wildcat tidbits here that are very important based on our intros to this show before we get into the real stuff that actually matters and will be useful to our listeners. First of all, <laughs> number one if iron City, excuse me whoa it was a freudian slip that was actually very accurate uh (laughs) if iron city coffee tastes anything like iron city beer we're in big trouble because iron (laughs) city beer tastes like absolute shit it's awful john am i allowed to say that i don't even know i i don't i mean i'm not gonna edit it so (laughs) it's it's awful i'm i love pittsburgh i grew up there Iron shitty it's called iron shitty for a reason. I was just going to ask that. Like if you guys actually call it that just, Uh, I call it that for sure. And yes, other people in the city do as well. I don't know that everyone does. I mean, there are a bunch of people that drink it. So good for them. Like what you like, whatever, but uh, it's, it tastes awful. So that's the first tidbit. And the second tidbit is we're talking about Jordan and his, his COVID quarantine hair. This dude has the best quarantine hair I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's like a – it it looks like a European – well, you know how one of them European soccer players has it where it's kind of like, you know, it's short on the side and kind of, you know, straight up on the top and it looks all – you know, I mean, if you're crying <laughs> yeah. out loud, dude, I mean, if that's the worst it gets, you're congratulations. Good for he, you. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> like a, like an indie rock band type yes. of look. Like yes. he, he could, he could slip right into Imagine Dragons and no one would even notice.
2: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I realized that I kind of got like a little bit of like the, uh, uh, what's it? Adam Levine is like the, I think he's the lead singer yeah. of Maroon 5 or something. He's got like yeah. sort of a similar thing going on, but he's got it yeah. a little bit like high, like tighter up on top and then it sort of is yeah so sort of going in that vein again it's funny because i grew out my i grew out my hair in college for my freshman year and my hair grows like super wide so like it was getting ridiculous like early like early COVID hair was pretty, pretty ridiculous, but I was like, I don't want to shave it all off. Like I kind of, it's fun to try something different. I'm like locked in my house, who cares? But I was like, I can't take it being super wide. So I was just like, let's just hit the sides and keep the top and see what happens. And so, so I kind of like I I'm sort of getting to almost that length that it was in college. So it's pretty it's uh it's it's fun and I had never grown a beard before either. So I'm going full on. You know I'm going just f- all I'm, the way. I'm embracing it, man. I'm just I'm I'm just throwing caution to the wind. I've gotten into yoga. Like I'm the <laughs> CBD thing is totally uh, it's totally on board now. So yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm trying everything. What the hell?
0: <laughs> just lean into it all the way. <laughs> the the other cool thing I mean you mentioned you mentioned Adam Levine. Uh I, I remember I don't know if it's still this way, but at one point he, he had that same hairdo, but he also bleached it which Yeah, not happening, not happening. You, I mean charity, I, I'm just bro. saying, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it, it it helps kill off the COVID. I mean, you just, just like just kind of dump some on your hair and then you know, take a quick sip and and yeah, it, that's how you
2: disinfect. <laughs> I'll while, tell you, we're going to talk improving. about we're going to talk about our charity thing. Maybe as a giveaway, <laughs> if we get to a certain threshold, I'll I'll bleach my hair. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's that's better than any any giveaway we could possibly come up with. Yeah, we're still we're still going to give away. Uh, we're, we'll have some details here. So, um, but let's go over it real quick. Just just kind of um, lay out what what you're doing, and then uh, later on uh, we'll give full details of, uh, of our involvement on this.
2: Yeah. So the analytics of dynasty 2020 edition, uh, that's my book. Uh, we'll be talking some about it tonight. It's on sale for 30 bucks at analytics dynasty.com slash shop. You can find it there. Um, as, as sort of a, thank you for having me on, um, charitable venture. We're going to sort of team up. Um, you guys can talk about what you're going to do. Uh, but, uh, I'm going to give uh, a percentage, of uh any proceeds that use the code flex so all lowercase just flex f-e sorry yeah let's help if i spelled it right f-l-e-x uh just enter that code when you purchase and you'll uh a a portion of it's going to go towards alzheimer's uh research and uh you're also going to be entered into the chance to, uh, win a drawing through you guys. So I'll let you guys hit that. Um, but yeah, and we'll talk about some of the stuff in the book, but, um, 30 bucks, uh, 20% of it's going to go to, uh, Alzheimer's research and, um, you're going to get the opportunity to get into some pretty cool, uh, drawings through you guys as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. We're we're actually going to give away two prizes. And like I said, we'll, uh, we'll go into, uh, into that part later. Um, so stay tuned for that, but, uh, Yeah. So at McNamara dynasty, it's in his pin tweet. Like you can, it's that easy to, uh, to get to analytics of dynasty and, uh, and get your hands on the book and uh, enter to win some prizes and help us uh, with a good cause. It's, it's that time of year in the fantasy Mm -hmm. football community, just kind of everything everyone's doing is just, is kind of geared towards charity and, and, you know, we're, we're, we we've got an eliminator thanks to uh john Bosch, um but you know we just we wanted to do more alzheimer's association is is very near and dear uh to the hearts of several members of the super flex super show it was an easy decision for us all right so let's talk a little bit about the book and uh there i mean like i said you can go back to 2019 to the the original version of analytics of dynasty you're gonna get tons of useful tidbits throughout that book um, that help you in all formats of dynasty. And then this 2020 edition has a, the entire chapter on superflex. but it, it also just kind of throughout that, that book, it has so many different things that just, you know, that people really kind of struggle with a little bit. And uh, this is, it's a very unique set of talking points throughout that book and we want to hit on a couple of them here the big one we want to talk about some narratives you talk about some easy narratives to exploit and brian and i are both very narrative driven in our fantasy football analysis so uh this is uh this is a an easy one for for us to talk about as well i mean we could throw narratives at you all day and uh Kind of let you uh, pick them apart for us, but I want to start really with just the ones that you've already kind of identified as ones that are easy to exploit.
2: Yeah, uh, one of the one of the headers in my in my book, and I, honestly, this is the easiest thing I think. If you're just going to embrace something that's different, um, there's really two things I would say that that to embrace being different, which is a lot of what I look at. Again, I I try and look at systems and how they let's look at profiles and let's look at strategies and then figure out how to implement them. Right. So it's not necessarily pick players per se. It's, Hey, let's find a successful strategy and then let's, let's pick players that implement that. Right. So I sort of look at the world that way. Um, I think, I think the the easiest one is the idea that wide receivers retain their value outside the top 75 picks of a startup draft rather than running backs is just not true. Um, so if you are drafting a uh, players to try and preserve future value and you're doing it by drafting wide receivers, uh, you know, outside that top in, in start one, I use the top five rounds in super flex. Let's back that out. Let's call it top 75 picks. But if, if you're at that point saying, hey, Oh, you know, I need to preserve or you know, I'm shooting for some long-term value. I should take a wide receiver. That's a suboptimal decision. So that's anytime sure. you take a wide receiver over a running back Outside the top 75 picks of a draft, you're just lighting your money on fire. Um, so that's one of them. And then the other thing I think that's really um, – that's – that's I think people believe to be true because it seems like it makes sense. Um, but consistency is the biggest myth going. Um, the idea that that consistency – first of all, the idea of consistency even exists in, in Dynasty is, is pretty overblown. And it doesn't really matter to your record. So I think the, those two things are, are pretty, you know, if there was a, I think there's a lot of value in those two in terms of, you see, you know, I saw it today. Someone was talking about how boom bust Mike Evans is. And I was just like, I just retweeted it and said hashtag value because people think, oh, he's boom bust. That hurts. I mean, it doesn't. And ultimately, over the course of a season, as long as you capture the player in your lineup, which with a player like Mike Evans, you're going to, he's still going to add you a win to your team. Right. And so it doesn't really. And honestly, he's probably going to do more than that because he probably won you two games last year. So um, two weeks, you probably were a massive uh, chance of winning just because of how big his outputs were. Um, And the down weeks don't really hurt you that much. So that's a lot of it. And I can sort of break down more data if you want. But those are the two big ones. Jordan,
1: question about the consistency thing cuz that that one really yeah. um that one really is intriguing to me. So, you know, we we hear a lot about the difference between being consistent season to season versus being consistent week to week within a season. And and you're kind of saying like don't worry about either in a way. So, how how does that play into both of those 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 narratives of or or ideas of week to week consistency and and you know season long, or season to season consistently. Yeah, it's let consistent- me let me
2: yeah, that's a great question. Let me let me just pare that down just a little bit more. Season to season consistency is really important. It, it, consistency within a season it, is a myth. That's really what the myth is. So again, with a guy like Mike Evans, this is an all timer. Right, we sort of gloss over these and don't appreciate in the moment about what's going on. He's been a top twenty-four wide receiver through six years of his career. He doesn't have he doesn't have any comps, right? That's how good it is, right? And so people sort of lose. say, oh, you know, some weeks are down, some weeks are up. You know, what what in season? As long as he's in your lineup, you're going to capture that. And with a guy like Mike Evans, if you're benching him, you're probably you're probably not doing it right, like you should just just set set it and forget it and and that's a roster spot you don't need to worry about unless he's hurt around a buy um but but one of the things i re- I found like really interesting was I looked at a lot of leagues. And so I, I just, I thought this thing like, I thought consistency made sense, right? I thought it did. And so I, I said, well, let's test it. Let's look. And so what I found was over the course of, uh, it was 624 teams. So I took 52 leagues that are all the same scoring. Um, and it just, by way of background, it doesn't really, I've sort of looked at it in other leagues. It doesn't really matter what the format is, but just so you know what the, an idea of what the numbers are, it was start one quarterback leagues because they were all the same scoring. I was able to get a good, Solid sample size of them. Uh, it was r- one running back, three wide receivers, two standard flex, uh, tight end, kicker defense. So it's ten man, ten man roster. Um, you know, so if you take kicker defense out and put a super flex in there, it's it's about the same scoring. Um, but but the average uh, team in uh, across the sample, the average score in those six hundred and twenty four teams was one hundred and forty point four eight points per game was the average, what they averaged um, through the course of the season. The standard deviation, the average standard deviation was 24.32 points. So when you back that out for a second, you would expect about 95% of the scores for an average team to occur within 91.8 points and 189.1 points. That's a gap of, uh, you know, you round it. It's a gap of 97.3 points, right? That's where you expect the range. That's not consistent. So to get the idea that that consistency is something to strive for, really, when you look at it, teams, it's overblown because not only are teams inconsistent week to week uh, because players are inconsistent week to week. But on top of that, it doesn't matter. So when you look at the teams, when you when you say, all right, the theory would be teams that are more consistent will perform better. That's not true. Um, it's totally random and teams that one other thing I thought might be it was let's look at, you know, let's look at teams uh, and see maybe the ones that underperform are inconsistent. That's not true either. And so what you'll find is 90 plus percent of what, uh, defines your record or, well, let me take a step back. MFL has a stat called, uh, all play record. And all play records, essentially your luck independent record, right? If you just played everyone every week, what your, what your win percentage would be, which is totally independent of luck, right? Once you sort of start playing one person each week, it's incredibly variant. You have a lot of luck, um, on both sides, right? On, on you underperforming on them being underperforming on them being good, you being good, right? It's all of that 90 plus percent of what defines your all play record is your point scored. And full stop. Okay, so it's it's about ninety five percent. Okay, ninety five percent of what if you just know what your points are, right? It'll explain ninety five percent of your all play record. When you think about consistency, right? You're 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 trying to elevate whatever that five percent is, right? And that's let's just assume that that's consistency. I don't think it is. I think there's other things in there, but but you're you're striving for. One twentieth or 5% of the problem to try and solve. It's, it's just, it's over, it's, it's a, a solution in search of a problem. And so what I always say to people is just give me guys that score a lot of points. Right. And, and when you sort of back it, back it out and just ask someone, you know, would you, would you rather have someone that scores a lot of points or that scores less points and, and have them consistently, you'll get, a third of people will want the more consistent option. That's just uh, that's easy value, right? because people are undervaluing uh, the points, which is the most important thing in 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 fantasy football or dynasty in general. So I think all of those things, right? when you sort of add it up that consistent teams don't outperform inconsistent teams, it's totally random and arbitrary. and you're getting value there because people believe it's a narrative that matters. Um, you know, and, and when you look at it with the, with the funny part to me is especially a, at wide receiver, I think it's even, I think positionally it matters a little bit differently. Um, you don't want consistent running backs by and large, but um, you do want, you want year over year consistency at wide receiver. Um but when you look at it, if you just take top twenty-four weeks, right, and just say, "Hey, what a t- top twenty-four weeks!" Give me what's the threshold on half of them, right? Like, if if a player gets gets uh, in the top twenty-four half the time, doesn't seem like that's a big threshold to clear, right? Thirteen guys did it last year, right? Only thirteen of them, and they finished in the top sixteen at the position. Right. That's that, the, you know, the guys with eight finished in the, t- even the guys with eight, just eight finished in the top 16 of the position. So really when you're, when you're seeing these narratives, it's, it's losing context in it. It doesn't, it, it honestly, it doesn't much matter and it creates value to be on the other side of it.
0: So with a, like a, a, a guy that we, you know, at least think of as being a consistent, like Michael Thomas. We, you know, we kind of think of him as being consistent. Right? He's in a different world,
2: right? I mean, there's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in a different world, right? There's only, and this was like Devonte Adams a couple of years ago. Yeah. It, it, the same thing, right. Where it was like 10 plus points, like every week, like it, those are cyborgs, right? That just doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Those. And I mean, that's why they're the best in the league, right? Mm. Though, but, but we're talking about the 99 point. 6% of the rest of the position where that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael, that's why Michael Thomas is probably gonna be a hall of famer, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the type of track he's on. Um, he just doesn't have, he's just in a tier of his own in terms of that. Um, but, but the rest of the mortals, uh, are, uh, <laughs> you'll see down weeks and fluctuation from them. Yeah.
0: Well, then let's, let's go back to Mike Evans then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so because, uh, it, it, so if we're kind of, what if we're trying to chase wide receiver one numbers, like, um, you know, how, how often was he able to get there? Um, you know, what's, what's kind of like a, the, the most that we could ask for, um, from a guy like Mike Evans, um, you know, in, in terms of like wide receiver one, wide receiver two type of
2: numbers, um, yeah. In terms of, I mean, if you get, like I said, if you get over a half of them, that's really yeah. good. That's, that's, that's really good. You're, if you, if you just know, and, and Brandon Cooks is like the greatest example of this because people thought that because he's short, he's boom bust, right? That's, I'm pretty convinced that boom bust is just a, yeah. is a moniker people put on short people. I, again, doesn't apply to to Mike Evans, but you see these sometimes and you wonder where they come from. But Mike Brandon Cooks was essentially each year was a 50, 50 guy. And people were like, oh, that's not good. He finished for four straight years in the top 15. Last year was a washout injury and some other stuff happened, but that's, I mean, that's really good. And you talk about year over year consistency. The best part about that is with guys like this or with, Guys like Brandon Cooks, or um, and last year didn't apply because of the injuries and and, um, and that stuff. But when you can get a guy like this that just plugs in for, you can just sort of set it and forget it outside of injury in terms of what you can expect their their production to be. I mean, that's that's really helpful for roster construction, right? Because we this all comes back to the conversation we had beforehand. In terms of team building, you don't want to take a lot of wide receivers later on in the draft because A, they're really, really tough to predict in terms of when to play them, right? Because of these guys are so boom, you know, boom, bust. I'm using my own narrative against uh, uh, in support of (laughs) myself, but because wide receiver, it's so unpredictable in terms of when their production is going to come. You don't want to have to make a lot of those decisions and, and. The odds are if you're trying to pick between three or four guys on your roster, it's really tough to get it right. So I think to sort of back away from that, think about how do I minimize those decisions. Well, let's get, you know, Jarvis Landry's overlooked and you know Robert Woods is is chronically unsexy. And like you look at these guys who have done it, it, you can sort of get in that range of, hey, let's, you know, let's sort of bank a 10 to 25 type finish from a wide receiver bank that in my Roth in my lineup and set it and forget it. And it, it creates a lot of opportunities outside the, the rest of the, you know, shoot for that. Um, and you know, there's variation in there. I mean, it, you see these things out. Oh, people are, oh, he's a, he's a wide receiver three, as, uh, is, is a moniker, um, you know, the difference between that and, uh, you know, a mid wide receiver two is like two tenths of a win. Right. When you, when you really think about that, it's not a huge difference. Um, And so when you sort of think of these guys in those ranges to come back to your question again, if I can get, if I get 50% of them, it's, it's a really good shot to, uh, to be a top 15 wide receiver. I'll take that. Um, You know, and, and different guys fluctuate differently. I mean, he, he, he did it in, in buckets last year in terms of there was like two or three weeks where you, if you had Mike Evans in your lineup, I mean, you probably weren't losing. And, and so again, my warp numbers would say he was over a win over a placement in some of the weeks where you had him in and he performed a little bit less, those weeks don't hurt you as much as the big weeks help you right because you do have 10 you do have 9 10 11, however many other players are on in your lineup you have them as well so the what you'll see is if he's performing at a baseline or replacement level you know that's about a neutral thing uh, for your week and which is about where he would fluctuate in his in his quote bust weeks but the that doesn't really hurt you the big ones that help you, I mean, his 30, 40, 50 point games, those move the needle. And, and another thing that people, I think don't appreciate, and I'm working on this for uh, 3.0 is, is the margin of victory. Most games aren't close. And so when you're shooting for close games you're shooting, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to have a boom bust player because I might lose a close game if he has a bad week. It, again, that's a search. That's a solution in search of a problem. Those are, those are, actually really uncommon and when you when you look at uh season-long numbers so so jordan just to ask another question in this
1: line uh of of thinking and related so as i'm listening to you talk and 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 speak on on these ideas the thing that keeps popping into my head is you know it, it sounds like one of one of the narratives that is created by challenging these other narratives is avoid playing matchups. Is that is that kind of correct in in the way that I'm receiving the information? I mean, it sounds like we're we're trying to find guys that we don't have to tinker so much with our rosters, which I think is is kind of. I mean, some somebody's going to hear that and be like, oh, oh you know, I mean, and and I mean, it might seem obvious, mm-hmm. but like I think a bunch of us tinker with our rosters every week, right? we 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 want to think we're yeah. a little bit smarter than we are maybe I, and 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 I, are trying to chase points here and there to make sure that we get as many points in a week as we can. Am I accurate mm-hmm. in in kind of hearing that also in in kind of what you're saying?
2: I, I i I think it matters the position you're talking about. So I think wide receiver and running back are totally different, right? So the conversation we were just having was largely about wide receiver again. So if you, I don't, I don't think that we're particularly great at, at identifying the wide receiver. Uh, It's, it's tough to get those right. And, and a lot of that is because it's a touchdown. Right. If, if a player goes, you know, four for 24, it looks like a bad week. You throw on a touchdown. Oh, it's not bad. Right. I mean, and a lot of that's fluky. Right. So, so I'm not saying don't strive for it, but what I'm saying is, is it's, I think it's tough to do. And so when you're, when you're making a lot of those decisions, if you can cons- consolidate a couple of those players and, and get that into being a guy that over the course of a season, you expect, you know, top 20 production from, I mean, that that's very valuable, um, from, from a roster construction and just a headache perspective, right. That's very valuable. Running back is totally different. Um, at least with the guys that are lower down the line. So James White's a great example of this. And if you're shooting for consistency, right. James White, you sort of plug and play him. He was, he had the streak of like games, like 10 or so points last year or you know, that's fine. In two weeks last year, Alvin Kamara missed two weeks. I think it was week seven and eight or week eight and nine. Um, but Latavius Murray started for the Saints for two weeks. In those two weeks, right? He was a should have been in your lineup, assuming, you know, he was a top 16 play. We'll call it both weeks. If in those two weeks he finished his running back one. Okay. Okay. 10 points better than anyone else in that stretch. Okay. He's a running back one for two weeks. The value of that is unbelievable. Okay. Because in that stretch 0.55 wins over replacement. Okay. That wins over replacement stat is measured over the course of an entire season. Okay. So in two weeks, he basically was on a significantly higher pace than Christian McCaffrey was in the season long right? Christian McCaffrey came in about two and a half wins over replacement. Latavius Murray, his pace in two weeks was greater than uh, McCaffrey's was. And obviously, he's a backup running back. So he didn't get all the way to the impact of McCaffrey. I'm not trying to say that. But what I'm trying to say is that the boom bust narrative there is totally exploitable because a lot of times you can, most of the time, you can pick those weeks, right? I know that if Elvin, if I know exactly when to start Latavius Murray, right? And Latavius Murray might not be the greatest example because you could have flexed him. But, you know, Wayne Gallman's another one, right? I was not going to play Wayne Gallman unless Saquon Barkley was hurt. Saquon Barkley gets hurt. I play Wayne Gallman and I rack up like 0.3 wins over replacement in a couple weeks, right? And so you sort of look at that and, and if you do that, if you build a strategy around doing that, so a lot of running backs, if you sort of look at the, you know, and I identify different types that are better, uh, that are better, but if you sort of look at those sphere of running backs, you can replicate. I'm not saying that you're going to totally recreate Christian McCaffrey. And sometimes it can be tough to, you know, in different seasons, it can be tough to fully do that, but you're much more likely to be able to replicate a running back one performance off your bench or playing in a, in a rotation than you ever will at wide receiver. And, and the difference is, I mean, that can be a, that can be a win over the course of a season. It can be more than that. I mean, so you look at, and there was a stretch a couple of years ago where it was Latavius Murray and uh, TJ Yeldon. It was like four weeks peace. piece uh, over, it was like midseason. Uh, and I think, I don't remember the ordering of it, but either it was Murray first and then Yeldon or whatever it was, but it was eight consecutive weeks and like four in, uh, week increments between the two of them. They were over, went over a placement. And so you plug them in your lineup, you're recreating a top five running back, right? over two guys that were dirt cheap, right? <laughs> that That's possible at running back. That's very, very possible at running back. It's with all the injury rates and with the predictability of it. That's where w- running back and wide receiver are different because wide receiver, you can't really predict it. And even if you have a backup. So, I mean, all the debates last year about Green Bay's wide receiver too, Right. <laughs> I mean, how many, how many uh articles and, and all that stuff tried to get at that? So a lot of the times the answer is none, right? It's just okay. not one. Um, that's very true at wide receiver. If you sort of do it at running back, running backs can replicate a lot of what the starter would do. Uh where at wide receiver, you tend not to see that quite as much because you if if Devontae Adams goes back, it's a committee or it's it's you know, the offense really lags, where at running back that that really that same story doesn't really happen and all
0: those the the wide receivers are on the field either way so you know it it stands to reason whereas like to me that's that's the path to to scoring fantasy points it starts by getting on the field the Mm -hmm. running back you know it, it if if you've got saquon barkley on the field um you know that there's no real path for for Wayne Gallman like he's right. he just it, you know he just doesn't even have a way to do it but meanwhile even when Devontae Adams is healthy those those other guys and you know MVS and uh um Alan Lazard those guys are still on the field like there's still a path for them to score so so it, it makes sense but this being a uh quarterback centric podcast i think that we need to ask you about that position as well uh, and you know under the same model
2: yeah so uh, (laughs) i got super into playing super flex i would say last year so i played maybe a couple leagues before last year i started really drafting super flex leagues last year and from i started in probably like january or february into august and I started with one strategy. And by the time the end of the season got around, I was totally different. And that was all through writing my chapter of this book. Um, so I do think there's value in that, primarily because I have seen it um, and, and, and look at it. Um, I think, by and large, I think the, the most exploitable thing in uh, narratives is people want to believe that young quarterbacks are going to get there. And the hit rate on them is just really low. And you look at guys in the top 10 of the draft, right? Just these guys should be the best of the best, right? The odds that they produce two top 12 seasons, again, not, not even enormous production, right? Two top 12 seasons in the course of their career, 41%. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And those should be the ones that hit a lot,
0: right? Like that's like, Yeah. Top 12 is like more than a a third of the league.
2: Yeah. And, and so like, so people like Darnold and, and Daniel Jones, and um, I think he's a little bit different than Darnold, but like Darnold and, and for, for Baker, I mean, like, I like Baker, but when you sort of look at quarterback production, right. The guys that are this year uh, you would expect about where they are in their career in terms of, Um, in in terms of entering this year, which is, which is year three, uh, without a hit. Okay. So, so, uh, and, and Rosen, I guess falls into this too. Um, but yeah, he's a, a little bit different of a conversation, but you look at the guys, the quarterbacks that enter year three without a top 12 season on their resume. Okay. Um, that are, that are, uh, top 10 picks. Okay. 47% of them go on to produce at least one top 12 season. Okay. So that would be, again, you're looking at Baker. You're looking at Darnage, you're looking at Rosen that it's that year. If they miss in year three. Okay. So if they go this year without a hit, that number drops to 11%. So when you look at the, the, the danger of taking a guy like Darnold or Baker. Um, and I think, you know, I, again, I think, I still think highly of Baker, but to pretend that he's the next big thing is still, it's a dangerous, I mean, if you flip a coin, (laughs) that's essentially what you're doing with him at this point. Um, so, and so I, I looked at a lot of that and to try and see, you know, Once guys hit sort of then what happens and there's different ways to identify, um, you know, and pedigree is a big thing. um, There's different ways to identify and I've gotten the book some systems to identify guys that uh, are one hit wonders because that's really dangerous. I mean, Kyler Murray is a good example. I mean, you seen Kyler Murray as quarterback three and drafts and that's ahead of guys like Dak. That's ahead of guys like Deshaun Watson. That's ahead of guys like Russell Wilson. Those guys are on totally different planes of their career at this point, And in terms of likelihood to hit again, and you know, I think Kyler Murray's good, <laughs> but to put him in that range and to pass on Dak Prescott or to pass on Deshaun Watson who have already done it, right? That's where I think a mistake. Um, And we saw that last year with Baker, right? I I saw Baker as quarterback two in a startup draft last year, quarterback two. And it was, it was quarterback three, or quarterback four by the time, you know, I, I think he settled in three, four range by the time the season closed last year. How much has that fallen, right? I mean, now he's going 10, 12, right? That's about where you're seeing him. And I, I, over on my Patreon site, I track something called real draft position. So I am constantly sort of seeing the numbers move and tinker with players and sort of how they're moving in real drafts. Um, you you see those things and you're like, wow, there's a lot of danger in a, in a guy like Kyler Murray, especially considering you know, once guys hit, it's only about a 50% chance they do it again. Right. And so you're looking at these things and you're like, man, um, you know, that's it's a dangerous thing. Right. So I do think of the of all the exploitable things at quarterback, I think getting out in front of you know thinking that young guys are going to produce deep hits um, is 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 I think a, a pretty clear opportunity to avoid.
0: Uh, Russell Wilson is one that has always Really kind of frustrated me when it comes to the consistency thing, and it's uh, you know part a big part of it. And here's here's where I go narrative street big time, Um, which I mean I'm always at least on the sidewalk. But (laughs) um, so Russell Wilson, the the issue for me has always been the consistency late in the season. I don't I don't I I don't know if there's um, a way to you know a a way to explain this but it feels like i I mean this actually plays out like the the consistency actually does seem to go down later in the season he ends up letting people down in your fantasy championships is there i don't know I, i i maybe you probably haven't gone that deep into it as far as like what point of the season does the inconsistency um you know, kind of kick in, but uh, like by any chance, have you, have you looked at stuff like that?
2: Um, I haven't looked at him specifically, but the, the other thing about that is that's a lot of that's just noise, right. In terms of, right. That might happen, but Mm -hmm. is that predictive or is that just what, Happen right is that is that Mm -hmm. luck? i mean it could go matchups it could go any of that stuff i mean with russell wilson you have a quarterback who has finished um in in 2016 he was quarterback 16 outside of that he's been no worse than nine yeah i mean and 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 i don't i'll i'm just thinking back a couple of years ago in week 16 i i know that i had him and doug baldwin stacked and they had an enormous game yeah so uh, because I came back from like an enormous number down to win because of the because I had them stacked um, and I think that must have been two years ago so I'm not sure on on his playoff production in terms of fantasy but I know that year in particular um, that he had an enormous week 16 um, yeah so but yeah I mean I, I think I think generally if you take if you take if you sort of look at players, and over the course of their season, right, the, the ups and downs sort of jumble, you know, those things happen. And once you get to the playoffs, right, a lot of it is just luck and a lot of it is just roll of the dice. I mean, the easiest way to avoid that is get a buy and right? mm-hmm. play one less game. And, and I, that's a lot of the strategy that I built that I've built around is, is thinking about making decisions that over the course of a 13 week season make you one of the top two teams because right, that's really what your goal should be, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily making the playoffs; it's getting a buy. Right, making the playoffs is nice. That that helps, but when you can get from being a, a three, four, five, or six seed to being a one or two seed, that's a big, big difference. And those are really the types of decisions you need to make to reduce some of this stuff. I mean, a couple of years ago with Alvin Kamara in injury in Week fourteen, right? If you had a buy, you. Got him back. If you didn't, you were probably going home. Right. I mean, those are, that's what happened that year because he carried people. Um, and so having that buy reduces a lot of that risk. So what,
0: what we can, uh, we can move off of the quarterbacks a little bit. I, I, I mean, maybe not. We'll see. Um, <laughs> what's the action item? Uh, you know, as far as, as far as, um, you know, the, the, the myth of consistency. So it's kind of sounding to me like the roster build that you're looking for kind of starts with wide receivers uh, because, you know, the, the more, you know, the, the, the more top 16 weeks you can possibly get at the wide receiver position, the better since you're not going to get, you know, like half of half of the season is, kind of that's that's the dream basically yeah <laughs> um so but it you know you've got you've got mike evans he goes he's a wide receiver you know a mid to mid wide receiver two to high end wide receiver one let's call it seven times out of the season then you get brandon cooks you mentioned him you get another you know five top 16 weeks The you know the the chances are that you know, a a lot of times there's going to be some overlap and and the more of those guys you get uh, the better chance you've got of surviving a down week from any one of them. Um, At least that's kind of the way I'm, I'm, you know, processing this.
2: Yeah. What I'm shooting for is a season long finish out of a wide receiver. Right. And I'll just let the, I'll let the fluctuations fall where they may. Mm -hmm. But if I, again, the goal should be to score as many points as you can score. Right. That's, yeah. that should be your aim. And I think anything that, anything that doesn't do that is something that's distracting you from what your ultimate goal should be. Yeah. Um, and, and that might sound simple, but when you get on Twitter in June, right, that's not the debates that are happening because we're been stuck inside for three months. Yeah. Um, you know, those aren't the debates that are <laughs> happening. Um, but 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 seriously, I mean 95% of what your what determines your all play record or your luck independent record is just how many points you score, right? And then, you know, you see in in people talk about getting, oh, I got lucky or unlucky. Like most of the time you're within a luck, what I call a luck win, right? So either a luck win or a luck loss, that's you, you, your performance away from your all play record right so whether you you know you should hit about uh, at what it should be right so if you win 75 percent of your your all play games you should win about 75 percent um you get teams that perform a little bit better a little bit worse than that but generally speaking that's about where you come in um and a low percentage of teams are really lucky or unlucky and but those aren't really that's just not anything you can control just score more points yeah. um is i mean that's it, it sounds elementary but that's i think a a huge uh, a huge part of it um and and there's ways to do that by rejecting common narratives again i don't i want wide receivers that that i think are going to finish in the top 24 um you know and if i get guys like michael thomas yeah, that's great right but i'm not you know i want guys i'm talking more about guys a little bit further down the line right in terms of maybe my wide receiver two or my wide receiver three right give me guys that are just gonna that have a record of top 24 production um, and let's get them in there and like Jarvis Landry I mean he's the classic example of this like he's a pretty consistent wide receiver uh, top 24 wide receiver Just put them in there and yeah. and just use that right and that's that's very very valuable in terms of your construct of your of your team and and something that you said's right which is i mean yeah some guys right if eight if if mike evans has seven good weeks some of those might stack up with good weeks of other guys right some of them might stack up with uh bad weeks of other right those mm-hmm. one player in a 10 in a 10 man roster it, it, performing poorly doesn't move the needle down that much because you've got a bunch of other people in there. One player performing extremely well can really move the needle. And, um, you know, so I, I think about that and just, you know, again, shoot for scoring as many points as you can and let the chips fall where they may in season. Because if you do that, you, they're going to fall pretty good for you.
0: The analytics of dynasty 2020 edition is an in-depth and unique look at dynasty fantasy football strategy. The book contains a unique dynasty strategy that's backed by data and will give you a process to make better decisions in startup drafts, rookie drafts and dynasty trades with an in-depth focus on player value and player analysis. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition will give you critical and contrarian strategies on quarterback value in superflex leagues, valuing rookie picks, trading of future picks in startup drafts, how to avoid costly one-hit wonders. Easy narratives to exploit, and so much more. If you use the code Flex in your purchase of the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition, you'll be entered into a drawing to receive one of two great prizes from the Super Flex Super Show. Number one, we'll bring you on to the show uh, for a round of Tinder Flex. And number two, our stay sexy and super flexy logo t-shirt. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition can be purchased at analyticsofdynasty.com shop for $30 with 20% of the proceeds being donated to the Alzheimer's Association, ALZ.org. So again, purchase the book, Analytics of Dynasty, the 2020 edition uh, with proceeds going to charity and your chance to enter to win one of our two great prizes from the Superflex Super Show. So we've, we've been talking a lot about the Scott Fish Bowl lately. Um, and, you know, it's, it's certainly it's kind of the atmosphere around the community right at the moment. Um, but I also like to talk about, and I've said this, you know, multiple times on the podcast. Now I like talking about it more because there's, there's some very unique, you know, strategies involved with it. And I, and I love to apply it because it it really kind of makes you think differently about fantasy football than what you normally do. Mm -hmm. And I want to do that here. I want to, you know, we'll we'll go into Scott fishbowl a little bit, not, not even so much about the scoring to me, the most compelling setting in the, in the Scott fishbowl is the fact that you can't trade. Mm -hmm. Like it just completely counterfeits the idea of value. It, you know, it, it, and it to to a large extent um you know probably more than most people realize the, you know the the idea of reaching in a draft becomes i, I mean that's that's not really anything anymore you know it it, it kind of goes beyond you know who's going to be available in the next 24 picks because once once that player is picked I mean, he's, he's dead to you. He, he just went off the face of the earth. You have no way of acquiring him anymore. Right. Um, so if, if, if we apply that line of thinking, you know, take away the value, take away, um, you know, ADP and, and the idea of a reach, um, and, and just think about, you know, where you're going to get the most points. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, the, the wide receivers that you're chasing, I think you said they're in the first, you know, five to seven rounds of this. Historically, superplex. historically, yeah.
2: this year is probably a little bit different just based on experience. Um, yeah. I think some of those guys are going in spots where you've never been able to get them before. I mean, really? um, so that's later. Uh, so historically, that's been what I would say the number is. So uh, I'm a traditional three or four wide receivers in the first I don't know, five, six, seven rounds type of drafter. Yeah. Um, I'm wide receiver early, so I don't have to do it late. Um, this year, I think it's a little bit different because again, a lot of the player types that I've identified are falling and that's a historical abnormality. That just doesn't really happen all that often uh, because the guys that are good usually go early, but for, for a variety of reasons, there's, I think values this year um, that fit my construct. So um I, I, generally speaking, that's a strategy this year. I think it can be, I think you can go about it a little bit differently.
0: Do you know your draft position in SFBX?
2: I don't. Okay.
0: Um, let's, let's just pretend for a minute that you've got one-on-one knowing what we know. And we can actually apply this scoring too, where we know, you know, an efficient quarterback uh, with a high completion percentage, Um, particularly one that doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. So, you know, it, you, you really kind of shrink the universe down to, Mm -hmm. you know, Pat Mahomes, um, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Those are kind of the guys that Carson Wentz fits in there. I think, I I think Russell Wilson still fits in there, but I mean, it's a very small tier of quarterbacks who, you know, really kind of deserve first round type of consideration. Um. Obviously, we know the running backs. We know the power there, especially if you end up with that, the guy who ends up being the running back one overall for the season, that always ends up being an outlier type of season. Yep. Um, And then there's Michael Thomas. (laughs) We talked about, you know, the, the, the unicorn that he is, that there's actual consistency with Michael Thomas. So you've got one-on-one in the Scott Fishbowl. What are you doing?
2: Yeah. I haven't studied the scoring enough yet. I got to catch up on it. Um, I've just been, I've been, I've got a couple of weeks I'm going to study in depth. Sure. Um, I, I think for, I think it matters what you're going to try to do. Right. Yeah. So, and you see some people do some, I'm not going to say crazy things, but some unorthodox things in Scott Fishbowl. And I think that's right. Yeah. Because ultimately what, what you're trying to do is uh, for me, I mean, some people might not do this, but for me, I'm trying to win. Um, And I don't care if I come in last place, right? Like I, my goal is to win, win it all, right? I want to be, and to do that in a, what's it up to? 14, what's the, how many people are in it this year? 1,440, I believe. 1,440. So to do that, you have to take on a lot of risk, right? You have to, and you've got to be right, ultimately, right? I mean, that's, but you, to, to do that, you have to take on risk, um, so I've done that, you know, with roster construction. Largely, I mean, I stacked Breeze and Thomas last year. Um, I think I stacked. I think I got Mahomes last year, and I ran him back with uh, with Watkins. I couldn't. I tried to build a, a Chief stack last year, and it didn't really. I couldn't get. I think it was Mahomes, and I couldn't get either Tyree Killer, Kelsey. But that's what I was trying to do. Um, they just it didn't make it back to me. Um, but but try to think about those things again, because the. I think the strategy is really important. Um, you know, I think McCaffrey is probably your, you know, McCaffrey is or Barkley is up there as the running backs. Um, but I do think about what, how are you going to build in the the level of upside that you need, which is a lot of things to go right. And a certain at a certain point. Um, And that's, I think a lot about how I would think about the Scott Fishbowl. So look for key spots to basically stack players um, and to take on, you know, to take on asymmetric risk, right? You want guys that can, can significantly move the needle um, because that's what you need to do to win uh, uh, 1400 and to be 14 to be one out of 1440. So, probably McCaffrey, but I think the roster construction matters a lot.
1: So, John is going Drew Locke 101 and following <laughs> that up with Cortland Sutton in the second round to stack his Denver Broncos. <laughs> that could be, a, I, hey, I mean, you know what? I mean, that. that's I'm tempting. joking in one way. It's joking in one way, obviously that early, but I mean, something like that, though, is yeah. is what we're talking about here. Right. I mean, if if we're talking about, you know, strategically stacking guys that we think, OK, like maybe they hit this year. And obviously, if they hit or if one of them hits, it's going to benefit the other one. Right. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I think that's very valuable for Scott Bull drafters.
2: Yeah. I think you have to play a, a tournament like this, like DFS, right? Like you have to, uh, and for me, like I, again, I, if I finish in last place, that's fine. Like that's, I'm fully willing to do that because the upside's really great on winning. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, that's really what, um, and, and I don't do that that extremely in dynasty, but I think there is some takeaway, which is your aim in in a 12 team league is to finish in the top 8%. You shouldn't be shooting for average, right? Because if you shoot for average, that's not going to get you to the top 8%, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) so I, I do think, right. We talk about these bigger things, but there are significant takeaways, which is what your aim should be in in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. Again, top, top 8% win the league one out of 12. But I do think, you know, that two out of 12, that, that, top two teams in a 13 week season makes a ton of sense because you can get a buy. Right. Um, and so like there's there, I joke about the DFS thing and Scott fishbowl, but I do think that there's key takeaways for, for dynasty in terms of how to think and strategically put a plan in place.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, I mean, like, I, I think that you can take some of that stuff and to, you know, to your other your other dynasty leagues and certainly to your other redraft leagues and, and mm-hmm. you can still apply it there. So even if you're not in the Scott Fishbowl, that's that's why I still like to talk about it on the podcast and hope that people aren't just skipping over this part of it just because they're not in the Scott Fishbowl. You know, because just because I think that there's some some very usable stuff there. But um we spent so much time on that one narrative we didn't even Really touch on on the other one. Um, we're running a little short on time, but I'd still love to to get into that one a little bit with you. Uh, and I think I I think I actually want to combine the two narratives a little bit, um, and play MythBusters with you. I okay. just want I, I want to see I want to see if this holds up. So this is my Ideal roster build for uh, for a dynasty team, and uh, right off the top, I I know that you're not a huge fan of my you know QB early QB heavy strategy, um, so we we'll, we can skip over the quarterback part. Like that uh, that one's that one's value based anyways. But this from more from a production standpoint, the other thing that I really like to do is. Uh, the wide receiver position, I, I like to go lean. I don't mm-hmm. like having wide receiver depth. Yep. And it, you know, I, I particularly guys that I know who, wh- what they are, Marvin Jones, I can't stand Marvin T Y Hilton. I don't want those guys on my roster because I know, I know what they're capable of. I know, you know, essentially what their ceiling is. And I know, that it's going to be really hard for me to figure out when to start them. Um, And actually, you know, it, it, as long as if, if they're on my bench, I don't want them there. If they're in my starting lineup, that's fine. You know, I, I like to upgrade that, but I'm fine with them as starters, but really what it comes down to is I want to cover my starting spots at wide receiver. And I'd like it to be, You know, the top end guys, they're usually the cheapest to acquire, um, especially outside of the startup draft. So, you know, if I when I start quarterback heavy, it's pretty easy for me to to parlay that into the wide receiver group that I want. And, uh, you know, on the bench, I I mean, maybe one or two other guys who are who are going to be, you know, quote unquote consistent Jarvis. You mentioned Jarvis Landry. He's a great one to have on the bench. Um, just because, you know, if if you do, if, if one of your starters does get injured, you plug in Jarvis Landry, you're going to get a pretty safe floor from him. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll take a couple lotto tickets, uh, you know, some some rookies and and really second year guys is what I would really like, uh, particularly if I've got a taxi squad, I'll put those guys on taxi, um, you know, Paris Campbell and. Uh, um, you know, JJ Arthega, Whiteside. Guys like that, I love having as kind of the lotto ticket type of guys. And then but beyond that, I just I don't want wide receivers on my roster because I feel like I need that all that roster space for running backs. It sounds like from the from the first narrative, I might not totally be on track with that one just because the wide receivers Aren't quite as as safe long term, like in a dynasty league, as as I think. And I, so I'm curious
2: which they, which which version of wide receiver. When you say that, mm-hmm. do you mean guys earlier guys late?
0: Um, I, I mean, I guess they'd be earlier type of guys, and um, in, and in, in, you know younger guys like that. That tends to be like I tend to favor guys like. Um, I mean, Allen Robinson, Robinson is still fairly young. Like, uh, you know, guys like that over Julio Jones just for the fact that, um, you know, I, I feel like that position is pretty well locked up for years to come. And it sounds like
2: that's not necessarily the case. Um, no, I... I... So the Julio Jones thing is interesting to me. I, I mean, maybe it's a different conversation in a startup draft than a than an existing league, but I think Julio Jones is like one of the best values in terms of trades right now that you'll find anywhere in Dynasty. Um, and one thing that I would say, if there's a thing that makes me different, um, that m- in terms of a lot of things we talked about, but when I build my teams, I don't really care about value in terms of that that's a little bit of an overstatement but i don't i mean I don't. i'm surprised hard didn't come through the screen at you
1: <laughs> well here's the thing here's the thing i think we're I don't think trying we're, to be trying trying to be polite to
2: our guests <laughs> i don't think we're particularly good at predicting. and i'm learning i'm sorry John. no that's okay that's all right i i, I it's because it's not again, I, I look for i look at I do my research, and then I, I I find things that that are different to be valuable. So it's not that I'm necessarily setting out to try and burn narratives down, but when I find things that are different, right? I think there's there's value there. Um, but when you're so julio in a in a startup draft, I mean, that might be a little bit different of a conversation. And John, something that you and I have talked about, and yeah is, is pulling in the same direction, right. It, it, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, correlating what you're trying to do, right. In, in terms of buckets and and the conversations that we had, you know, that we lost to the ether uh, <laughs> before our conversation last time. But, but, yeah. but I, I always think of like pulling in the same direction, right. I want everything to be pulling right in the same direction. So if I'm, if I'm drafting, you know, if I'm trading future for future picks and I'm, I'm, you know, building a a team that I don't know if I'm going to have ceiling this year, having Julio on that might not be the best allocation of my resources. Right. So I I sort of recognize that in terms of he's going to be a falling knife. And does he sort of fit in my contending window? Right. I sort of look at, you know, let's look at things in windows and see how many guys I can get in the same window. Um, So in, in, in a startup draft, Julio might not necessarily be the prime target but in an existing league, right? I mean, you look at his value. I, I, when, when you see these narratives on guys that, that they just are, Oh, I got to get out of them because they're getting old, especially wide receiver, especially when they have high draft pedigree, right? That's just a that's historically guys like Julio Jones continue to produce into their thirties as almost as long as they'll they'll play where you'll see the differences is guys that have lower draft pedigree, Mm -hmm. right? So, and, and Jordy Nelson's probably a good example of this, right? He got into his early thirties and, and at that point he sort of gets behind the draft pedigree curve and and falls off quicker. But when you get these guys that are elite draft picks, they tend to hold on longer. Um, So you see it with Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, you see it with, you know, we're, we're getting to that point with Julio and and what you'll see is the the value falls off quicker than the production does, right? So I talk about Julio as like he's my ninety seven Grand Am, right? I graduated from I graduated from law school. I'm um, I'm waiting for my results for my bar exam. I'm living in my grandmother's basement, waiting tables, right? That was my life. Call it five years ago, uh, eight years ago, and I had a ninety seven Grand Am that had one hundred and ninety one thousand miles on it, right? if I took it and tried to sell it to someone, they'd give me maybe like 500 bucks, right? But for me, it was invaluable, right? Because it was a it was transportation to work, right? I didn't have money, right? I didn't have any of those things to, to replace it, right? So it was one of those things where uh, for the rest of its life, right? Possessing it was more valuable than I could ever do anything else with, mm-hmm. right? So Julio's a lot like that. So... And, and some of these players are that way, right? And so quarterbacks, right? Aaron Rodgers are starting to see this this withering of his value because people are looking for the bright new object. I mean, once that once that starts happening, um, and that presents a buy opportunity. And if you're willing to sort of say, hey, listen, I, I don't really care about what his future value is. I'll just... Uh, because then it becomes a value, and his production is going to outpace his value. And for the next... You know, two, three, four years, he's going to be a viable quarterback one for me. And what people aren't going to like him. Well, I'm not going to trade him anyways. Right. So, so that's fine. Right. So, that's one thing. And the other thing, too, is my roster construction is different. Right. So, one thing we were talking about in terms of builds, right. If you haven't, if, if people are listening to this and you've never rostered more running backs than receivers, try it. Right. If you're listening to this and you haven't rostered more, t- twice as many running backs as receivers, try it. Right. Yes. <laughs> if you haven't tried 3 to 1 give that a shot too right mm-hmm. and and think about the way that that those right and and one thing i've found in my research is every time you add a running back in a startup draft your upside and your average both move up yeah. in terms of your first three years of production and, and it so, kind of
0: doesn't matter who the running back is right like uh,
2: it it well and, and i just did it i just did a random simulation so but but especially later on because they're just crushing in terms of value you're crushing your running backs are crushing wide receivers in like the double digit rounds in terms of value yeah. um so that's again usable startable predictable weeks all of those things that's a big deal so i sort of build my teams differently than other people and when that happens i i find myself to be have a sometimes have a tough time trading because the benefit of that is those guys are cheaper but they're cheaper because in the off season, no one cares, right? No one cares about Wayne Gallman or, you know, he's probably not a great example this year, but um, you know, no one cares about Latavius Murray to trade for him right now. Right. But once, if, if Kamara goes down, right, that's yeah. a huge, that's a huge, that's a, that's a sell opportunity then if I want it. Um, but it's a huge usable opportunity where I'm just bludgeoning people in week. So I don't, Build my teams necessarily around trade value. Um, And I, because I think it's very, very difficult to predict that too. Um, I will say a lesson that I've learned in the last year is to when you're drafting, I think my my situation is particularly optimized, like at this point in the offseason, because I think the depth charts are a little bit more settled. If you're doing it in February, I wouldn't necessarily be as running back heavy because guys like Wayne Gallman or, you know, who I find value in to be the, you know, 13th running back on my roster, right. He's dangerous because there's a pretty good chance that they're going to address the position. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, we see this with guys like Jamal Williams, right? Like he in, in season, if he's the backup, that's pretty valuable. But in the off season, there's a, decent chance that they're going to address it with someone better right so those sorts of things that's where i'm sort of uh early in the season i'm a, will i'll venture into other areas but later in the season i think you got to optimize more and more towards that
1: so jordan you just you just earned yourself a co-host chair uh by <laughs> by by loving on a little bit aaron rogers uh, yeah, because john has been trying
2: uh, yeah I'll t- I'll t- for t- like
1: t- a year now to to have guests who support his his thoughts on Aaron Rodgers so um and and John I just want to make sure that you heard what Jordan is saying and in, and in, in that you're not having to draft Aaron Rodgers in the first round any longer but, um, you can. but, but he, he didn't st- he didn't say not to <laughs> he just he, he just said you don't have to Oh my! It's gosh. still
0: an option, though. It's still on the table. And I'll tell you <laughs> something about that ninety-seven Grand Am. I bet that that thing took w- was still capable of taking you on some
2: some pretty awesome road trips. Uh, that that thing took me across that that went to a lot of states. I'll tell you one thing. I went to i'm from upstate new york and so i went to uh i went to school in ohio and they didn't quite appreciate the snow quite like i did i'll tell you i could get that 97 grand dam anywhere in a snowstorm like that was the best car i've ever driven in snow um i love that car um i miss her i miss her but uh but yeah she, it's it's uh when you get a situation like that you have to you have to embrace the value that it creates that no one else is going to appreciate
0: yeah and every now and then you get some upside that that you weren't even necessarily expecting that's not why you were holding on to the car was for the the upside but every now and then you got it that that car (laughs) your your post-college car is the perfect analogy for aaron Rodgers. yes and and i'm going to use that from now on that's so perfect all right, we went way over time and uh, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I kind of knew that would happen. Um, no, nah, I mean at least we at least we got it all recorded this time. That's true. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> I, I That's mean true. we
0: we talked even longer last time, but it, yeah, again, it just didn't get recorded. So at least every, we laid all this down.
1: Every time I'm on a show with Jordan, it feels like the show could go another three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: no, same here. <laughs> it's just
1: long-winded. That's code
0: for he's no, long. No, 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 I don't I don't mean
1: <laughs> that in a negative way at all. I just mean there's so much to learn and and this is why it's so important to go by the book because there's so much information packed in there. Um and and Jordan, you know, one of the things that I I talked to John earlier today about, you know, that I appreciate about what you do, Jordan, is you make it easy to understand. It's not, you know, sometimes for us guys who aren't quite as analytical in our thinking, um, the numbers and the spreadsheets and mm. and all of that just gets too much. It gets to be too much. It's just like, right. I can't handle it all. And that's the thing that I like about you and what you do and your book is that it's, it's very easy to read through. It's very easy to understand what you're saying and apply it to the dynasty rosters that, that I have. So I really appreciate that. And I know I've said that to you before, Um, Mm -hmm. on, on other shows, but I, I just want to make sure I say it again, because I think it's very, I think it's very unique, um, with the analytical crowd to have someone who presents the information in such a way that makes it easy again, for those of us who aren't quite as analytical Mm -hmm. to understand and apply it to, you know, to increase our chances of winning in dynasty. So, um, so thank you, my dude.
2: No, I, I appreciate that. And honestly, like the, the genesis of the analytics at dynasty was a, a lot of confusion about what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you sort of, I remember, I'll never forget this. I took Kiara Garrett in the middle of the second round of a rookie draft. Cause I was so confused, like the whole off season, like there was this, yeah, I made this horrible decision and I was like, I got to start doing things better. Like that's like, because you can get so mind warped into confused. Right. I mean, that's, so I I really aim for, and I appreciate you saying that because I really aim for, you know, clear consistent like again shooting for profiles right consistent sort of easy things that you can do to sort of improve your odds um and, and to do it like that so it's it isn't a super dense filled with spreadsheets type of things i got graphs i mean i i've got all of that stuff but I, I i write a lot of it and with the aim of just that right which is here's you know here's a, a toolbox of of when you see these signs, right, here's how you should react. Right. And that's a lot of what it is. Um and, and so so it's simple to sort of use and it's actionable in season. Or in drafts or in trades or in any decision you make, I think you can apply it. And that's really why I wrote it the way that I did. I don't
0: really remember who Kiaris Grant even is. Garrett, <laughs> Garrett he was selected <laughs> yeah.
2: by
1: the Panthers. He's big, big dude like six, seven 235 pounds or something it, yeah it was it was oh, a big punches. wide receiver De- yeah, it was. Devin
0: <laughs> or kelvin benjamin it's just the same guy just with a different name yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> got it yeah that that one was that was that was a tough situation for a long time so. <laughs> um <laughs> it was always a little tough to figure out um yeah so uh, I I mean, I think that let's let's uh, definitely as we wrap it up here, let's let's uh, hit on the book again for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also at the top, we did not at all mention all the other ways that people can uh, consume (laughs) your work. I mean, multiple two podcasts now Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, plus, I mean, whatever, whatever writing you want to plug beyond the book Um, and then definitely the book itself.
2: Yeah. So I'll, uh, I think you guys can touch on sort of what your, what your giveaway is going to be, but we're doing this, you know, and this is something that I, I, I'm excited about in terms of, yeah, it's like, I think you guys said earlier, it's, it's charitable, uh, it's charitable season. And I think there's a, if, if this year of crazy has, has made me learn anything, it's about appreciating it's about appreciating some of the stuff that we have and take for granted, um, you know, the ability to grow long hair, for example. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, just the ability to give back and those things. So I'm really excited about this, um, in, in terms of, uh, you know, we're teaming up and, and hope to let's raise some money for a good cause in terms of, uh, Alzheimer's research. Um, so you can go get the book at analytics of dynasty.com shop. Uh, it's $30. It's a 2020 edition. I also have the 2019 edition there. It's on sale for 20 bucks and it's still all actionable. So if you're newer to dynasty, um, go ahead and get that. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're just brand new to dynasty, like that's a great, uh, first step, uh, the 2020 editions, I would say it's, it's not, a lot more complex but it's a little bit more specific in terms of the topics that it covers the 2020 the 2019 edition the first one sort of goes through the whole experience so um, both of them are still there um and if you use the code flex f l e x i got it right this time uh you uh are going to get the opportunity to win some of the uh prizes that you talked about um and some and 20 percent of it's going to go back to charity so um so all that you can also find of my uh, Patreon work at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. I'm in the middle of doing an, a podcast a day uh, for the month of June. So I am 24 podcasts. And as we record this, I got um, a few more to go. I'm probably going to do it through the middle of July. So I've got all that over there. I've got plenty of data my dynasty tiers, my real draft position, um, and some different tools that are, I'm going to be rolling out there as well. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash analytics dynasty, um, and go find the analytics at dynasty podcast, but the football guys, uh, dynasty Show. It's something I'm really excited about. I'm teaming up with my buddy, Chad Parsons over at UTH. We're both football guy staff writers. Um, amongst the best honors that I've ever had is the ability to do the show. I remember listening in, it would have been like 2008 um, on my MP3 player, downloading uh, their shows and listening to them while at work during the summer. Um, so the ability to do that um, and bring dynasty to a, a different audience, uh, I think is something that's, um, it's, it's, to grow the game, I think is really important. So, um, and you know, you can find all that there. So Chad and I team up, uh, we're both staffers at football guys. We team up over there on Tuesday nights and the podcast usually out on Wednesday. So you can find us over there at the the audible podcast feed.
0: Yeah, that was freaking cool. So, I mean, uh, the, the audible the football guys, that's, you know, that's one of my, po- my favorite podcast feeds anyways. Um, I love listening to Sigmund Bloom mayor of narrative street mm-hmm. so uh, so I gotta get him off
2: day three wide receivers I'm gonna do it I gotta I gotta <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. do it
0: yeah he's he's I mean just his his analysis already resonates with me and then uh, you know I had the opportunity to talk with him on on my other podcast a few weeks ago and and told him that. I mean I, I think that people listening to me on this podcast can probably hear, the influence of Sigmund Bloom, But anyways, you know, it's one of my favorite podcast feed feeds. And then to see one of my favorite dudes just randomly show up on, on that podcast feed at one point, Mm -hmm. and then just kept doing it every week. He's there every single week. So, yeah, I mean, you're already there listening to, to Sig and, and cease. And, and, you know, you're listening to, uh, to the audible and you're listening to on the couch. And now you also get Jordan And Chad Parsons talking dynasty. It's add in the super flex super show and the trade addicts podcast. And what else do you honestly even need? (laughs) That's that's that pretty much covers it right there. So Jordan, but we got to thank you for coming on. And uh, man, it's just always a pleasure to catch up with you and, and uh, have such great conversations with you. uh, Not, not often enough. Um, but from time to time, we we uh, we get to talk a little bit in DMs and it's always it's always nice to just just come in here and just unload all this stuff. So uh, we're, we're going to have to do it again very, very soon for sure. But, yeah, as a, as a quick reminder, if you use the the promo code when you go buy the analytics of Dynasty, use a promo code flex and, uh, you know, 20 percent goes to, to the Alzheimer's Association and and. You know, as we mentioned earlier, we're also giving away uh, two prizes, in fact. One of them, um, come on the Super Show with us and play Tinder Flex, and uh, and then one of our Stay Sexy and Super Flexy t-shirts as well. So um, so some awesome prizes to hopefully entice you to, uh, uh, on top of just the information that you're going to get from that book. I'm going to
2: buy one just to enter so I can get the t-shirt. That's do.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to play Tinder flex. You just want to just need the shirt. It, it, it's a pretty solid shirt. It I guess it's a solid honest. shirt. Yeah. Har's wearing it right now. That's, that's pretty cool that he wears the uniform to podcast. I, I'm not, I'm just wearing a normal polo shirt, but all right, with that, we're going to wrap it up for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed. Do us a huge favor and uh, rate and review the Superflex Super Show. Help us get more people involved in the conversation and talk, touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. Even better, hit us up individually. Uh, Jordan's at McNamara Dynasty. Brian's at Brian Har ff and I'm at Superflex Dude. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music, and above all else, thank you all for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.